Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast from The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology. It's July 2021 and I'm Stephanie Becker. This month, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Victoria Salem, consultant physician and endocrinologist and a senior lecturer in bioengineering at Imperial College London, whose new research on modifying scientific medical conferences to improve female inclusion can be found online at thelancet.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. So could you just start off by telling us a bit about female representation in medicine and why your research is important? Sure. Okay. So this study was an attempt to add something to what is actually a pretty sparse evidence base Mm. um, for ways to tackle female underrepresentation in academic biomedical sciences. Medicine, as you know, is considered essentially a feminized profession. Most people don't think that gender equality is an issue in medicine. And and indeed, for many decades now, there have been at least equal numbers, if not more than 50% of medical undergraduates being women. But the problem is, is that in academic medicine, particularly the tenured ranks, both clinical and non-clinical academics, women are stubbornly underrepresented. So about 20% of professors of medicine are women. And this has continued for a lot longer than should have happened given the incoming pipeline. So clearly there are still some structural inertia in the system, which means that women are being discouraged from pursuing careers in academic medicine. This particular study is about how women behave at clinical and scientific conferences. And that's important because conferences are not just places to learn. Professionally, they're really important for making connections, for making you collaborations, and crucially, if you're an academic, for, for increasing your visibility. And so we looked at the way in which women behaved at our national conference for endocrinology. So this is the UK's largest conference for endocrinologists, clinical and non-clinical, the Society for Endocrinology, SFEBES conference. And basically, we looked at how women were behaving in the audience in the first year. And then in the second year of the study, we made a few tweaks to see if we can improve female inclusion. Great. So could you describe the aim of your study and the intervention that you then used? Yeah. Okay. So in the first year, we were just interested in trying to understand if men and women audience members behave differently at the conference. And I remember being at the dinner table of of the conference dinner a few years ago saying that, you know, women just don't contribute as much at this conference. And people at the table were laughing at me. They were saying, what are you talking about? You know, at least half of the delegacy, and it's true, actually 50% of the delegates are women. Mm. And endocrinology is known as a very female-friendly space. Specialty. So really, are you sure there's a problem? So what we did was we made transcripts of all of the audience comments and questions that occurred over the three days of the conference. So the conference lasts for three days. There are about 50 or so smaller breakout sessions for specialist interests where there are talks and lectures. And then at the end, people in the audience ask questions. And the society organises it in such a way that all of those sessions are chaired by at least one, usually two society members. And sometimes the chairs also ask questions. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we looked at the transcripts of all of those audience participations at the conference and we found the following things. So the first thing to remind you is that the delegacy was exactly gender balanced, so 50% women. Despite that, women asked far fewer questions. So 20% of questions and comments in the audience came from women. 
Women's questions were much shorter than men's questions, significantly so. About 10% of men and only 4% of women spoke or made a comment or a question lasting more than 60 seconds. The, the gender of the chairs in the sessions made a huge difference. Where there, mm. were, o- where there were only male chairs, only 9% of questions came from women. Whereas really interestingly, when there were female chairs and when the opening question in that session came from a woman, then just like the audience, the questions were gender balanced. So we could see like a really you know important effect of the way in which the sessions were made up. And in fact, actually having an opening question in a session coming from a woman massively increased the odds of subsequent questions or comments in that session coming from women. It increased threefold. So that was what we found just observationally in year one. Year two, we did our intervention. We wanted to try and increase the number of questions coming from women. So we did a very simple thing. We First of all, we asked the society to try to make sure the chairs were gender balanced. And then we just simply sent an email to all of the session chairs reminding them that if they had a choice, please offer the opening question in a session to a woman. And as a result of that intervention, we didn't quite reach gender balance, but we saw a significant increase in the number of questions and comments coming from women, so 35% now compared to 20%. And that wasn't just because more female chairs were asking questions, that was audience participation. And then all of those findings were really cemented, the finding that um, having gender balanced chairs increased participation and the opening questions from a woman really helped as well. So so that's what we did in a nutshell. Great. So you found that the participation of men and women really changed throughout the conference after your intervention then? Yes, we did. We also did a qualitative analysis of the transcripts of the questions and comments. And that was obviously done blinded to the gender of the question. And then we then we sort of looked back to see if men and women asked different types of questions or mm. if the tone was different. So there, and there were, as you might expect, clear differences in style and comment across the genders. So, for example, women were much less likely to make overtly aggressive comments. They were less likely to joke, but they were much more likely to ask about the gendered implications of the research that was being talked about. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. But for me, I think the most striking difference that we found on the qualitative analysis was that women are about 10 times less likely than men to open their question or comment with an assertion of scientific fact, particularly their own research or their own findings relevant to the field. And and I think that basically represents the fact that women are slightly less inclined to self-promotion at Mm. conferences than men are. Yeah, that's great. So how do you think that your results could be applied to future medical conferences? I think there's a message here that we still need to raise awareness of the issue. We also did um, a survey as part of this study, and a lot of people actually didn't even notice that women ask fewer questions. So there's still, you know, an issue to be had around raising awareness. 
clearly female visibility is hugely important, not least because of role modelling. I mean, as I've, as I've said, there are far fewer women in academic medicine than there should be, given the fact that we've been gender balanced at the undergraduate level for so many years. And I think breaking that cycle is is partly going to be about better mentoring and better visibility. It's quite clear from this very simple study that simple conference tweaks can make a really substantial impact. Yeah. If you want to read the paper, we did a focus group. There were some other ideas there about how to make conferences in general feel more inclusive. But for me, the really important message is that when we talk about women speaking up more and being heard more, we often put the onus on the woman. We say, well, you know, you just need to step up to the plate and talk more. And I think what this study shows is that there are very, very deeply entrenched structural, social barriers to women speaking up. And so just as important, if not more important, is getting organisations and institutions to make changes to their structure, to their culture, because that does make a difference. Definitely, yeah. So can you think of any limitations of your study and what's next in light of that for this line of research? Well, I'd like to see a lot more research in general in this field, not just about women, but just just sort of diversity, inclusion in general. We hear a lot of feedback that um, younger faculty members or junior researchers often find it very difficult to talk at conferences or seminars. And we did worry that actually seniority might be a confounder here. But we sent sent, um, observers into about a quarter of the sessions just to make sure that, you know, the assumptions we were making about the gender of the speaker tallied their obvious gender when they got up to speak and that was fine and yes more senior people are much more likely to speak to speak and make and you know make comments but we found that the gender disparity held even amongst the senior ranks so so we were pleased to 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 see that I think probably the major limitation with this kind of research is that we're using transcripts. And so we have to make some inferences about the tone and the meaning behind certain statements. And and that's often very difficult, if not impossible, to do. So, for example, we found that men and women were equally likely to start a statement. I may be stupid, but, or um, I didn't, maybe I didn't get that, but. And it's quite possible that the meaning behind or the confidence behind that statement is quite different. And of course, we can't assess that using just transcripts. So in in light of those things, what do you think would be next in this line of research for the future? I mean, there's all sorts of things you can look at. I'd quite like to look at the way in which the gender or the authority or the style of speaking of the speaker themselves makes a difference. And it's a touchy subject. What we don't want to do is we don't want to look like we're engineering conferences to take away from what should be natural scientific discourse. Of course, yeah. But I think that we can probably be a bit firmer in the way in which we design conferences to make them more inclusive and see if that actually it manages to get us up to gender gender equality, which is um, undoubtedly the goal here. It makes no sense to me that we're losing, you know, up to half of our brain power just yeah. because women seem to be dis- discouraged from careers in academic medicine. Well, great. Thank you for talking to me today. It was really interesting to hear from you. It was a pleasure. You can read Dr. Salem's research online now at thelancet.com.
Thank you to Dr. Salem and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With, The Lancet Diabetes and Endocrinology, wherever you usually get your podcasts.